0: Good day. Welcome to the Trending Place. This is the Trend Podcast with Justin A Williams with a pretty all across the spectrum. Today is no different. We have John Shakespeare on today. John is a, a dear friend of me and a former co-member of Old Nassol, our a cappella group back at Princeton University. John has a wonderful voice. Uh, he sings uh, tenor, tenor one, tenor two. Back
1: in the day, I was I was actually a bass. Then I worked on my
0: falsetto. Yeah, yeah, man. I wish I could have yeah. done that too. <laughs> I would have gotten more solos. <laughs> I was a bass. Uh, but, John, you know, John's got a new album, Hail Bohemia. It's on Spotify and other places where you can find music. And it is an amazing album for someone like me who is, I think, a, a folk snob. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely adore this album. It, it, it's got a lot of kick to it a lot of spirit to it and he tells great stories you know we go from talking about uh sound museums to whiskey nights to loves that maybe were or maybe never were uh to who the hell is Janie? uh that's that's another uh big question that i'm sure everybody's asking that if you've heard this album so john what's up man how you doing justin thanks for having me happy to be here definitely 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 so Tell me a little bit about yourself, just your beginnings, um, in terms of how you first got into music. um, Why did you choose this genre to express your art in? For sure. So I grew up in
1: uh, Cambridge, Mass, and… Patriots fan? Oh yeah, Patriots Ah! fan, bigger bigger Celtics fan, unfortunately for me. uh still still hurting from that one but grew up uh big Celtics and and Sox fan in particular. Um, okay, okay. But you know, if the Patriots are going to win, I'm I'm not going to not going to complain about it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm from New York, so Aaron Aaron Patriots that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm a Giants fan, so. Yeah. Okay, okay. Right on. Yeah, I um grew up in Cambridge and I was uh, as a kid, I kind of always gravitated towards music uh when I first started, I was more like, for whatever reason, when I was really young, I just gravitated towards like classical. Um, mm-hmm. and I ended up going to, uh, for in middle school, my parents got me into this, like, uh, so kind of like a Catholic choir school. Um, and so for four years I was doing, um, singing like five mornings a week and learning all this old, like classical and liturgical music. Um, and, uh, obviously it's not what I do now. Mm-hmm. I reached a certain point where I was like, how can I, you know, I, I love this. Like I love singing. I love making music and thinking about harmony and, um, and composition, but I also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a teenager now. Like I need to like, yeah. Yeah. so I saved up, I saved up my money from like the first, uh, you know, from my ice cream job and, and like bought a guitar. Um, and at that time I was kind of getting, really heavily into like indie rock and um in particular the band Radiohead was really big for me yeah yeah I think think for like a lot of people um it's a big influence really early on um and so I started a band with my uh like childhood friends um and that was my first experience kind of like performing and uh I just I couldn't get enough and so um I think coming to uh, Princeton, where we met, I was like looking for for an outlet, place to sing. Old Mess Soul's was like a real bright spot there yes. over those years. Um, mm-hmm. Taught me so much more about harmony and like got me more immersed in in soul and R and B music too. Yeah, that's um, cool. yeah. And then afterwards, um, I was always kind of writing songs in a folk style. I think. I think just because, not necessarily because that was the only music that I was into or listening to, um, but just because when you're writing songs, you know, in your dorm room or whatever, you usually have an acoustic guitar and something mm-hmm. about that. I was listening to a lot of Bob Dylan and uh, all of those kind of early greats, Leonard Cohen. Um, and I found myself writing in that style. And then with this newer album, so the first album I released was more traditionally folk is more of a traditional folk record. Like mm-hmm. the production on it was, was in the style of like classic folk rock. Um, and I think this time around, this is my first experience self producing an album. Oh, wow. Well. I started to like ask myself that question, you know, what do I actually listen to? And I realized that mm. most of the music that I listen to is not straight ahead folk. It includes these influence includes synthesizers and influences from rock and roll influences from pop music um, and so this time around uh, I wanted to try to make a record that would would be closer to what I listened to um and like
0: that include that whole spectrum yeah it's got to be uh, uh an interesting way of making music when you uh you speak from the kind of day-to-day experience that you have, like every day you wake up, or whenever you play the music that you like, you know, and then you just kind of filter that into what you do. I mean, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of like going to school and then coming home and doing homework, right? Like you, yeah, you re you're reamping the material um, in your own way. Um, that's that's really cool, man. Because you know, a lot of artists that I've talked to say that what they what they don't really know where their music comes from. You know, it's like mm. kinda you of Wonder inner visions kind of mentality where it's like, yeah, you know, my music just kinda of comes from me and whatever it is, it is, I can't really control the genre that I'm in, um, because it's speaking through me. Um, as if you're like tapping into source. You know, um yeah. Eddie, and I don't know if you ever took a class with Eddie Glaude, but Eddie Glaude used to say that uh you know people like um edward Said and and, and james baldwin could like tap into the cosmos in some way
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: and i don't know if it feels like that when you're doing music but it uh, it's got to feel when you're performing live like you know I, I i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm not only in touch with something that i want to do like folk like you know trying to make a classical folk album but like something is deeply rooted in me that is that is coming through yes i, I do feel that way especially when performing.
1: Um... And by the way, I got, let's see, Stevie is, Stevie's right back here. Um, Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, Uh, we, yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like one of the big reasons I perform or things that I love about performing is to kind of like lose track of my conscious mind for a second, Mm -hmm. um, to reach a place where you're whether it's whether you want to think of it as adrenaline or you want to think of it as um, as spiritual,
0: mm. to
1: come to a place where the only thing you're thinking about is the next line, the next notes. Yeah. Um, and you're in completely present. It's one of the few experiences in my life that I'm able to access total presence. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, meditation. Can't, it's like a meditation. It, it really is. That's such a good way to put it. Um, and I've actually heard a couple of other... I've heard people talk about, uh, sports that way too, like running and, um, and, and working out and, you know, as a, almost like a moving meditation. And I experienced performing at least, you know, when it goes well to be that way. Um, cause you're fully present and you're able to like react to things that happen on a dime. You know, you can, you can react to something the bass player does cause you're fully there. There's no You can't can't check your phone while you're performing or uh, disconnect in any way. You have to be there. So similar to like, I think similar to being an athlete, um, you kind of have that experience of like only thinking about what's right in front of you. Um, And that's a powerful thing. And I I think it does feel spiritual or, or like meditation to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, especially a genre like folk, especially the way that you do it. Uh, when I'm listening to some of your songs, um, especially early in the album, I get the sense that like I'm I'm just driving the car with you, and you're mm. you know you're you're telling me this story, and then the music is kind of this ambience that is playing like from some some sector in, in, in the universe near us. It's 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 like I'm traveling with you. It's very your lyrics are very much like written in a way where I'm I'm getting a very clear narrative. And is that is that something that you really focus on? Is that something you had to learn? Is that something that you weren't always good at? Yeah, especially with this album,
1: um, I wanted to make sure it told the story from start to finish. Yeah. So um, if you want to just listen to it, uh, if you listen to just one song, you know, hopefully that song works on its own. Um, mm-hmm. But if you listen to them all together, there are these three characters, and they kind of have their arc and yeah. their relationship, um, and so. You know, I, I've always been a fiction writer too. Uh, like what I studied as an undergrad. And then mm-hmm. I also went and got a master's in fiction writing, uh, kind of published a lot of short stories. I'm really curious to talk to you about, about your writing process too. Cause I know that you sure. just put out a book, um, would sure. be really interested to hear like how you think about narrative and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and structure and like putting together a whole thing that's, has a start and beginning, middle and ends, but, um, with this album, I really, really wanted it to tell a story. And so, um, that meant, that meant that for a lot of pivot points in the story, for instance, like there's a part in the, in the story where, uh, one of the characters passes or there, there's a part in the story where, um, you know, kind of a love tri- triangle forms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these kind of clear pivot points in the album and, um, I had written a lot of different songs that told that same, same story, you know. So for one part of the album, I might've had four different songs and I sort of had to think about what, which one I liked best or which one fit in the best. Um, mm-hmm. But there's always a balance be- between the musical quality of the songs and the storytelling aspect. Um, so not only... The question was like always not only what is the best lyrical moment or the the best storytelling song but also okay well we just had three fast songs or three songs that are upbeat do we need to change up the pace here um or what kind of key uh was the last song in and how does this sound coming out of that you know all Mm -hmm. these musical questions were Mm -hmm. were part of it too so Yeah, I just tried to fuse the two things that I love the most, which is
0: like music and writing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have have you ever heard of Damien Rice?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. The The Blower's Daughter. Blower's Daughter, daughter, yeah. Yeah. He was life for me back when I was in high school. And um, a couple of my friends, we liked him a lot. And I'd say my writing style is kind of like his, how he sounds sometimes on Mm. records. I could also talk about someone, something like a band like Sleep Token. Sleep Token is not a folk band. Uh, they yeah. have a folk song, uh, "Are You Really Okay," but I mean, they're 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 like this metal, funk, hip hop, all fusion kind of kind of thing where they <laughs> worship a god named Sleep. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Um, but they they uh, what I do is I, I my press is first when I'm trying to come up with an idea, um, and maybe this. This is kind of close to how also I I have songs, original songs that I've written in the book, too. Um, So how I come up with that is I'll just dream. So I'll put on some music. I'll just kind of stare off into the distance for maybe half an hour, an hour. And I'll just start thinking. I'll just start thinking of imagining cinematic scenes. I have photographic memory, so I can kind Mm. of imagine things like a YouTube clip in my mind. And I'll do that. And I'll say, okay, so what I have here is drama. I have the emotion, I have the pathos of a scene. I don't know the characters' names. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I know what they look like. I know kind of some dialogue that's happening here. And I know the main conceit, right? Every every time I, I, I go through a chapter, there's some kind of main theme or conceit that is needs to be achieved in it. And a big thing for me is like, and, and maybe you do this in your, and you do, do, do this in some of your songs, um, it, it it's I think Dostoevsky talks about like if you introduce a gun in the first act, it has mm. to go off by the last act, right? So yeah. like, if you if you mention something or someone, some emotion or some thing, you have to address that somewhere else in the song, and it's, it's emotions speak like that too. So like I have um, I'm editing this book, my my second book now. I'm starting to write oh, wow. and edit that, and um, in this book. I I know the end. And in the end, I break everybody's hearts with what happens to these two characters. Yeah. I mean, I just smash you. and mm. but, but that means that I have to do a really good job in the beginning of making you really care yeah. about these characters. So I always try to make people as realistic as, as possible. I know kind of photorealism kind of writing isn't always the best for, for some people. I know a lot of people are like, no, I like farce or I like exaggerated things. Mm. But I really like to make it like, as much of a natural Seinfeld kind of feel as possible, even if it's drama or horror that I'm writing or gothic. Um, that's kind of my process. And, and, you know, I, I had a really good editor. I don't know if you have an editor for music or songs cause you're, you're self-producing, but, uh, my editor really gave me some really good directions too. That's so huge. Yeah. I had two people that I really relied on,
1: um, with this, you know, one is, uh, My co-producer, Devin Dawson, um, who basically every musical idea that I had, I would, you know, I would send it over to him and be like, tell me, is this too much? Is this too little? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think of this weird synthesizer I added? So he Mm -hmm. was like my sounding board for all of that. And Mm then um, I also have a dear friend, Rita Pfeiffer, who worked on all the strings for the album. She did all the string arrangements. Um, And she beyond that was just like she really understands songs and like, and and the lyrical side of things too. So I felt like I could, I could show the songs to her. Um, and also to, to my partner Eleanor, uh, and get feedback on, on like lyrics and and the storytelling side of things. So that was
0: huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you find the right people, right. And they find, you, you know, my editor, Robbie Grayson, just, we kind of, Met because he was um, my mother's friend, ran her book through him to edit. And then my mother was writing a book. So I met him, met him through there. And just in terms of a serendipitous way, he had a total understanding of mythology and everything like that. It just clicked. And we, we came together like that. I mean, I, I can compare it to um, those moments where it's like in the bands of the 60s and 70s, it's like, how the hell yeah. is Jimmy Page? in the same band as Eric Clapton you mm-hmm. know, with Ginger Baker there too and Jack Bruce, I mean, crazy, like, you know, whatever was going on, I. I it's like what was going on in Athens back in like the fifth century, you know, mm-hmm. uh, different places all of a sudden pop up with genius. And sometimes it happens on a macro level, right? Like, you know, you get like Led Zeppelin, you get the Who, but, or Jimi Hendrix experience, but for people like us, you know, independent artists who are individuals, you know, we need that to happen in our lives too. You know, we need yes. to have our moment where, you know, you go to a coffee shop and you're maybe you're, you're playing your music too loud. And someone overhears and it's like, Hey, I'd, I'd like to hear more of that. Like, and then something, our relationship starts, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, I was, that's so true. I love this idea that you just brought up of like, and I, I think that I don't want to misquote somebody, but I think there's like, there's also like an academic who said this, this idea of, um, that like genius never emerges in a void. It always, yeah, you know, great art, uh, great thought generally yeah. comes out of a community. Yeah, um, yes. and you have like a bunch of people that are all, um, in a friendly way, pushing one another to be better. And, yeah. uh, and almost, you know, one, I think of this with music scenes too, like, um, whether, whether it's, you know, Motown Detroit or, uh, whether it's, stacks record records in Memphis in the fifties and sixties or, um, you know, what was happening in, in countless other cities in Athens, Georgia, um, in Boston in the eighties. Like you kind of have, you have a music scene that where everyone is making music for each other because they really admire their friends and their friends Mm -hmm. are all doing really exciting exciting stuff and they're like i want to i want to make something that you're gonna like it's like how uh um, right right it's like how the beatles made sergeant pepper to try to impress uh
0: the beach boys after oh. they made pet, pet sounds yeah well you know but pet sounds was a reaction to uh the beatles album that came out before that
1: because yeah. the story
0: goes is that I, I watched the beach boys movie when i was a kid and i was upset i mean i used to so my my whole entry into music is um uh, I've told this story on the podcast before, but I tricked my mom one day. Uh, I used to watch MTV uh, as soon as I was about seven years old. And back then, you know, they were still music videos. They had put mine behind the music on. And I saw the music video for the Cranberries, Zombie. And I heard that song in my room and I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta get that album. I was just a little kid, but I was like, this is the most, this is what real music might be. And then I went to the store and I said, mom, can I get the Cranberries album? She was like, oh, Cranberries, that sounds like a kid group so she allowed me to get the album uh and then from there you know um music just kind of took on this thing where um i think you know the great bands of like and the great moments of genius that that occur what i noticed about it was that it's 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 so much tied to people like you said sharing with with other geniuses but then there's also someone Somewhere that recognizes that and knows how to like push that in, in the way it needs to go, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it nurtured in a way that's really important. And, um, you know, everybody has their kind of story about how they first fell in love with a thing. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, just like you're saying, you checked with your, your friend about the synthesizer. Sometimes love is not the best emotion, um, because mm. love can make you, um, It can make you short-sighted. It can make you over-emotional and it can make you fall in love with your own words and writing. Yes. Um, That's why, that's why they say like, as a writer, you always want to write more, not less. You want to have more material to cut down, not less to, to grow. Um, But uh, you know, everybody, everybody I think needs a good, uh, good collaborator.
1: Yeah. It's almost like there's this talent of curation or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing, seeing everything that's happening and thinking about how it could be shaped, that's really amazing. Um, yeah, I'm curious, you were talking earlier about, um, this idea of like photorealism or, or literary mm-hmm. realism. Um, yeah. and I'm curious to ask you like what it's like to fuse that with, uh, the mythological elements of your work. Like, how are you balancing the realism of the characters and the relationships with, cause I, I know like in your book, there's, kind of this, there's also this element of Greek mythology
0: and and mythos too. Yeah, so um, just for the audience, the book is Reborn, Virtue's Constellation. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and everything. Um, The way that, that, uh, it's a very interesting question. Well, the way I always looked at, so there's a scene in the book where um, the love interest of the main character uh, talks about her stacks of Greek mythology books for her class and she says you know everybody looks at greek mythology like it's this you know for kids right it's it's this happy go it's not happy go lucky but it's like these kind of Aesop fables that have kind of been rendered mute and pastiche because nobody believes in these people anymore right mm-hmm. but she says that this is some of the darkest shit she's ever read i mean these are basically sky abusers right i mean yeah. so many tales yeah. of the Greek gods taking liberties with women, taking liberties with men, um, causing war, discord, all this stuff. And it's fascinating, because the Greeks were basically, what they were doing, they were saying, we have all this drama down here, in Athens and Thessaly and Sparta, but we can't talk about that. Because if I talk about it, about who's really doing that, this stuff, Mm -hmm. the king, the army, the guards, then I'm gonna get in trouble. But if I make it a myth, And if I say that it was Zeus who was doing it, or if I was saying some character that I don't believe in, but everybody else does, now it becomes drama. But it's separated from us. It's this higher drama that um, doesn't indict us. It indicts some other beings in the process, but yet you relate to it. Um, So what I wanted to do in the book was I wanted to, I I ground the book in the the main character has uh, a diagnosis of uh, bipolar because Mm -hmm. he has this vision uh, that people don't believe in, the vision that 72 people um, on the campus killed him in a past life. Now, mm. these 72 people actually turn out to be the Olympic gods, right? So he's not just, it's not like you find that out. It's like, oh, okay, I'll just have a conversation with a human. No, you're going up against Apollo, and you're going up against, against Zeus, and you're going up against Aphrodite. Like, this, these are some heavyweights, Um <laughs> Uh, yeah. So it, it uh, what I, what I really wanted to do was one, I wanted to keep it fun, uh, for myself. If I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, if I didn't enjoy something I was writing, I took that as a sign that what it, what it is, isn't good. Um, or somebody else would enjoy it. It's like wine, right? Like you don't cook with wine, you don't drink. Right. Um, so there was that. And then the ne- next thing with realism was having a conversation. I always with, with, with people who have no interest. In the topic i think that's mm-hmm. a really great way to get um a really honest opinion you know like if you talk to somebody who has no interest in listening to folk music and you said but but would you would you still listen to this song right when i i, I would i would find my my mother or uh, my sister and i would say what do you think about these lyrics what do you think about this chapter and they'd tell me like, you know, I hate this kind of, this kind of shit, you know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, murder mysteries, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's good writing, but maybe it's a little confusing or maybe it's, it's a little too bogged down in, in thought and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, have fun and, and, and find somebody who doesn't like the genre that you're writing. in. That's such, that's actually really valuable feedback. I feel like,
1: or it's, it's, it's good advice. Cause I, yeah. I often, uh, I don't know, I get, you need both, right? You, you need feedback from the people in your genre, whether that's writing or music mm-hmm. who kind of, they can evaluate what you're writing in comparison with other things that they love in the genre. Right. And then at the same time, you need that person who's going to say like, you know what? I don't even like this kind of thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, uh, here's the one thing that I thought was working or like, um, uh, I don't know. For instance, like in, in show. I have a couple of friends that I show it to who aren't like writers or artists at all. But mm-hmm. and their perspective is always really logical. They're like, "But who is Janie and where did she go?" Yeah. And like, like they help you to kind of uh, get out of your own head. Right. Right. You're thinking, about, you're thinking about the creative thing and the and the kind of the vibe that you're creating. Um, and and the lyricism of each sentence, say. Um, but you kind of sometimes you need somebody who is just going to say. I don't understand the basic facts here. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of feedback has been really helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't like when people say like, you know, therapy is not a good thing. Men talking about their emotions is not a good thing. You know, I've seen so many memes of of people saying like, oh, it's disgusting when a guy cries or, and it's like, Mm -hmm. no, like, you know, if if you want me to, if you want there to be great writing and we don't want to just rely on artificial intelligence. Like ChatGPT, yeah. right? If you want great writing, then you need to let people express and cry, and and you need to teach people to be emotionally secure and, and intelligent. Um, you know, doing that creates yeah. more artists. Why do you think some of the the cultures that had the greatest artists, like the Renaissance, or um, you could talk about the Songhai Empire in Africa, you could talk about, you know, um, so many points in history, uh, Beethoven's era. Um, there was a culture there that fostered something about them being in touch with themselves and not being ashamed of it. Right. I don't think you get Beethoven necessarily in like 8th century um, uh, Holy Roman Empire. I don't know if that happens, right? Probably not. Probably not, right? I mean, you know, there's certain moments that are conducive to that kind of genius. I feel terrible. And I I, I teach history um, Mm -hmm. on the weekends and, and at night. And I feel terrible for all the people who had the genius potential in them, but were in like fourth century Mongolia, where unfortunately you don't have a piano, right? I mean, right. So he could have been he or she could have been an amazing pianist, but they don't have the apparatus to express that genius, mm-hmm. and so that's why you need an invention, you know, mm-hmm. you need someone to invent the guitar, so John Shakespeare can can show his, his amazing talent. You know, you need someone to create paper, right? So I can write and express myself. Yeah, I need. I need. I I also need writing material too, right? Like, you need to live a little bit, you know? And you can't, you couldn't have written any of the songs on Hail Bohemia without having a life experience, you know? That's and true. It, it makes me wonder, like, what well, your time at Princeton was like. Ooh. <laughs> so <sorry. laughs> but, you know, like, um, you need... You need, you need material and you need something to work with. And I think, um, you know, I, when I was in Eddie Claude's class, it was called uh, the American Jeremiah. And we talked about the three types of, I think, intellectual exploration. And it mm-hmm. was, there's the path of interpretation where there's all this material and you're just kind of making it make sense. Then there's like the path of discovery where you're able to forge and find new things. And then I'm pretty sure the last one was the path of invention. And mm. and that's the hardest one to prove that you purely invented something. I love that. Those that do those
1: three three things kind of happen simultaneously or Yeah, they, yeah that's
0: that's what the yeah. whole class was about. It was like, do they do they happen at all? Do some of them happen? Do they do they compete with each other? Do they happen simultaneously? That was the whole uh, shebang of the class was just going over that philosophical concept. It was, it was incredible. I mean, I, I, I kind of wish I stuck with my philosophy classes during freshman year. I, I got good grades in those classes, <laughs> but you know, they, they really pushed you on things that I never even thought about. I, I never would have come up with, but it created great music quote unquote, you know, that sounds incredible.
1: I I wish I had known about, about that class when I was there. Um, it's, I mean, the question you raise is interesting. I don't, uh, thinking about, cause you and I did, you know, spend some time at the same school. And I think it's funny, like this record is, is not at all about Princeton. Uh, mm-hmm. it's all about Boston. I mean, all of the, mm-hmm. almost all of the bars and, and restaurants and, uh, streets and like neighborhoods that are mentioned are mm-hmm. places that I spent both my childhood and my twenties. Um, you know, i really love uh the city i'm from and and i also think it's a place where a beautiful city
0: yeah it's a beautiful city a lot of traffic and, oh true well i mean not as bad as new york though no 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 but um, like i i like ordered an uber and it said it was like five minutes away and it took it like 15 minutes to get there yeah that sounds right yeah and everybody's aggressive in traffic.
1: <laughs> it's aggressive, yeah. that's the that's the classic you know yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta like be aggressive to be defensive yes yes um but yeah i Boston has a ton of beautiful uh arts and and music, um but oftentimes it gets overlooked, I think you know it's because mm-hmm. it's such a tech it's like a tech hub and yeah. and kind of like an academic powerhouse mm-hmm. um, and so um I, yeah, I wanted to write a record that would like celebrate all these venues that if you were a Boston musician, mm-hmm. uh you would a hundred percent know and right. you would have played in, and like these are places that are uh, doing what you're talking about earlier, trying to curate and support local artists and and Mm -hmm. kind of build a, build a community, bring out the best in everybody. So, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to write about that, but in another sense, going back to the Princeton thing, um, I definitely, you know, had a bit of culture shock, uh, coming to college and, you know, I'm really grateful for all the, all, all the opportunities, but sometimes felt a bit, you know, alienated or, or like, uh, like I wasn't my best self there. And so I think thinking about, um, this record in some ways is a description of like the period of, uh, when I actually did find community and did find people that I really Mm. vibe with and resonated with. Um, and that's part of why that time sticks out so strongly in my mind, even Mm. though there's a lot of fiction in these songs. Um, I wanted to write about that time of like finding your people, finding a supportive, uh, arts community. Uh, and that, and that's kind of what, what happened for me in my twenties, uh, when I was playing music in Boston. Um, and that's why, you know, I'll be grateful for it for the rest of my life and kind of had to make a
0: whole album about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, it, 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 it's knocking at your door and, you know those kind of those kind of feelings, those kind of emotions. I mean, I can uh, I can relate to you. Uh, in college, I would not say that I was my optimal self either. Uh, I would say that in college, I was kind of this person who was struggling with a lot of uh, past uh, trauma, um, just from high school and mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, and. I brought a lot of that to bear in ways that that were kind of like a struggling artist would. Um, yeah. You know, I don't mean struggling to be uh, published or found, but I mean struggling like legitimately with like trying to use that for its art for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a vessel. Right. I didn't start writing. I didn't start writing anything until after my time at Princeton. So. Um, I didn't have a, a clear vessel to express myself. I was doing martial arts. I was on the rowing team. I was rugby. I was kind of going through all these different places, old last soul. And I was kind of an itinerant and I liked that feeling. Mm-hmm. But it also left me without making um, a scene for myself. When I was a freshman there, I was in a crew of ki- of people that were very nice, revived very much, very well. Um I probably should have stayed within that clique, but instead I ventured out because Um, I joined an eating club and Mm. we all joined different eating clubs. They all joined for the most part the same one and we fell out of touch. And yeah, you know, um, a lot of what's in my book is that lament, that lament Mm. for the mistake I feel like I made when I chose, I guess you could say popularity. I chose a higher Mm. social status over uh, the real nuts and bolts, salt of the earth people that I, I'd come to know and so my main character goes to a similar thing where he's kind of like recruited by this cabal of uh, world-controlling Um, and he, it's it's seductive. He knows he has to destroy these people. He knows he has to defend the world against these people. But there's just something cool about being around these intoxicating humans. Well, not humans, but these these gods. These people. Gods. Yeah. 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 You know, like he can't resist, and that. That, that um that's a that's a, that's a critique on like how some people feel about spirituality but it's also more about a very personal journey for me um, trying to uh um, kind of say to myself you know I want to say I'm sorry but it's 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 gonna be it's it's just like in your writing right like there's a lament about um uh, in one of your songs you 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 mentioned um that this this relationship uh kind of doesn't function and it doesn't work mm. out and who's to blame right i mean do you blame mm-hmm. yourself do you blame other people uh do you blame the t- everything that made got you to that point do you blame fate right so um what i like i think the best art is a conversation it not only starts a mm-hmm. conversation but it is a conversation itself you know that you don't have to right. have the answer basically
1: Yeah, that's so true. Like, I I used to think that to create something, you had to have the final point that you were coming to, like, almost like a piece of art was a thesis statement. Yeah. But now I think, now I agree with you. I think the opposite is true and that the best art just raises the questions and raises them really eloquently um, and allows for, allows space for both sides, for the, for the good and the bad part of an experience.
0: Yeah. 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 So what do you think is your, what is your favorite song to to sing? Just a belt to play the one that's the song where you're like, I don't even have to think about it. I I can, I can nail this anywhere, anytime. A song from my
1: record or a song like a cover song. Okay. Um, for me, that song is Halloween. Um, yeah, which is one of the the final songs on the album. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about something very painful and, and very personal um mm. and you know for me uh for whatever reason that song um you know it, it feels powerful and cathartic to sing um and i feel like i'm paying tribute to my friend when i sing it and mm. some of the other songs um you know are about other emotions might be about love or or longing or uh and i do connect with those too um but that one was uh, the writing of it was was so raw in the first place, and, and so I just find that singing it, you know, I, I just kind of uh, don't have to think about it at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that that's one that I love to sing, um, and then I think I, I love to sing also this song called "Light On" from my first album. It's another one that I think the easiest songs to sing are the ones that still. Connect, you know, with you as a singer, where you feel like this is still something that I'm going through, still something that I'm living with. Yeah. So I actually need this song in the yeah. same way that you might need, uh, like a song that you listen to by another artist. Like, right? It's serving. It's like helping to hype you up for your day, or it's helping to uh, help you think about experiences you've had. Whatever it right. is, it's serving some kind of purpose in your life. And for yeah. me, like some of my songs do that too. And performing them uh, feels the most natural. Nice.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. that That's, that's definitely comes through on the track. I mean, I, there's always, uh, certain songs that artists do where you're like, you know, that that person after that song was sung was just spent, you know, it, just, mm-hmm. it gave everything into that. that so I, 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 one of my last questions to you, John, is, um, what does, what does it feel like to be so good at, 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 conveying um, passion and emotion like when you're up there and performing live just for people who have never done that before for someone out there who is thinking about becoming a performer tell Mm. them a little taste on just why the juices weren't the squeeze to get into it and do that thank you Uh, you know um, that's such a good
1: question I think I never feel more peaceful than after a good performance after Mm -hmm. a night that I feel like I really did give it everything that I had. um, Mm -hmm. And that I was able to communicate something that, uh, something that I had experienced with, I'm not saying every person in the room, but some percentage of the people in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of an act of transference or something like you're bringing, you're trying to bring, something that might have been painful that you went to went through to the table so mm-hmm. that it can be changed into something or kind of alchemized into something that is uh that is helpful for other people or that they connect with um mm-hmm. maybe feels closer to joy to them or something and receiving mm-hmm. it and so mm-hmm. that is a very that's worth it to me yeah. um you know and uh i think performance is something that I, I honestly, I don't know how anyone teaches it because I just feel like I got the only way for that. I ever got better was by doing it Yeah. for many, many years. Um, and I really, when I, when I look back at older performances, um, you know, I, I can hear the, the confidence that hasn't entered yet. Um, and even thinking back to when I was an old Nat soul, like, you know, not only w- could I not hit some of the notes or like technical things that I learned later, but, um, that sense of confidence, you know, it has to be built, uh, over time. And I think, uh, there were some amazing performers, like I think of like Chris and Ose and that group too, where yeah. like they clearly already had that experience yes. and they could truly deliver. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that takes a long time to come into, mm-hmm. um, and it was not something that I was initially good at. And, um, that makes it feel like a craft to me and yeah, like, like, a goal, and that's yeah. really exciting. Like I love to have something that like, uh, I, I need to get better at and getting better at performing. is like, it's been super rewarding. Um, cause it feels like I finally figured out how to, how to do something that I wanted to do a long time ago. That makes sense.
0: That's awesome. And I mean, I can feel. The, the passion that you have for it, I mean, uh, to to be able to say that you, I mean, even if you only did it one time, you know, that you went up there on stage, you was by yourself, you and a guitar, you and a piano or something like that, and you performed for even for one person, you know, that that enjoys the music. That's, that's, that, that's a lie. It's, 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 it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, I I, I feel like what so many people do when they when they do get into the industry, at least in some genres, is they kind of they lose the love of the performing. I think that's Mm -hmm. what goes first for some artists. You know, like when artists take a long sabbatical, it's like they just don't they don't feel it anymore. You know, no matter what the audience does, no matter what the songs are. And I always feel like that's because you just need new material. You know, like, I mean, that's not the only thing that, but I think that's one of the main things I can help is just like, you know, if, if I, as a writer was just tired of the same content or everything like that, I would, I would need new material. I need to churn something out. So I, I, I always feel like it's good to, uh, for any young artists out there to, uh, keep, keep do keep, keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like when you were young and you first got into working with an instrument, you were practicing all the time you know, but then you get really good and you don't need to practice as much anymore and you kind yeah. of lose that, that, that beautiful connection that you have with something.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I do think it's like just so important to keep making, making work no matter what. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I agree I, completely with what you said. Like, it's all about having material you connect with Yeah, um, yeah. so that you can, so that you can really
0: yeah. stand behind it. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know what, sometimes it's good to base if you're lacking confidence it's good to emulate fake it till you make it emulate other people yeah um, oh yeah you know for me when i was when i first got to Old Nassau, it was phil rothis you know he was mm. uh this really uber confident guy he played danny zuko in high school so and he, and he <laughs> liked telling us about that um <laughs> and 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 he just came into this group where it was really um i think all african-american except for him uh, initially and that takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of balls, you know, to do some Yeah, I, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, uh, I admired that, and I was somebody who, as a freshman, I was lacking some confidence, so I tried to emulate him, you know, in, in singing technique and everything like that. And f- That made me an effective bass because he was already there, you know, so yeah. some people, it's like, you know, they they, they they get there really quickly in life, and some people it takes some churning out, you know? But, For sure, um, yeah. It, the, I think the churning out, Really makes the best music, the best art.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so too. And people also connect with seeing a performer like struggle with their limits. Sometimes, yeah. you know, like if you can if you can see a performer. If you think about like, um, I don't know, I hate to go back to Bob Dylan, but he's a good example. He doesn't have the most beautiful voice in the world, So, no. But it's kind of, but you he can hear it. that he knows it. He know he's going right up to the, he's going as far as his voice can go on right, right right. every song. Yeah, right, and so. Right there's a lot of beauty to be found in like the imperfections too.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, John, I've really enjoyed talking to you today, man. Uh, this is is a great conversation. Yeah, Yeah. We'll definitely have to have you back on, uh, for our next season. Talk about obviously whatever you're doing then. Um, and, um, do you have any last words for the audience?
1: No, just thanks. Thanks so much for uh, listening. Go check out "Hail Bohemia" um, on Spotify, and go check out uh, Justin's new book
0: too. Yeah, Reborn. sure. Yeah, thank you. Reborn, yeah. Virtues Constellation on Amazon, Barnes Noble, and Nobles, other places. Uh, leave a review, comment uh, anything you'd like, and it's on ebook as well for those people who don't want to have a hard copy. Uh, yeah, thank you, John. And one thing about John's album that you're gonna really, really like. Hell, uh, Bohemia is there is no sense that the next song is somehow gonna be a bummer or album filler. Every time you get to the next song, it's it's it it equally blows you away as the song you just heard. So that is something that's a very special, rare trait. I think only a few albums really accomplish that in history, and I think John in this in, in what he does. Gives you a really, really special take on the folk genre. That is, that is fresh, it's modern, and it's it's a really cool listen. Thanks so much, Justin. Yeah. All right, Trenders, thank you so much, and remember, like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.